Everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Teglier. If you don't already follow us, we're on Twitter and Instagram at the same handles, at BobbyFantasyPro and at Mike Teglier NFL. Tags, what's going on, man? If I had to stand for the podcast, let me just tell you I wouldn't be here. I, I went through like the first like hardcore workout that I've done since like basically the offseason, and sitting in my chair is difficult. I'll just say that. <laughs> We've got a great guest today for the DFS show. It's Justin McMahon. Actually, it's a special guest because, Justin, tell them where you are right now. I am in Miami for the DraftKings Fantasy Football World Championship. Woohoo! So you've got like a, a what? What are there, 200 entries and you've got a 1 in 200 chance in a million bucks? Uh, 180 entries and it's actually 2 million to first and 1 million to second. Woo, baby, get it! Uh, trickles all the way down to... 15,000 for last, which I hope I will not be collecting. <laughs> <laughs> so is this your, is this your first live final? Cause I know you've won like bonkers money playing DFS. No, it's, that's actually my third. And, uh, I've, I've been fortunate. I came in first and fifth in my other two. So I'm, I'm due up for one of them was a baseball one. I was texting you. I was going to this restaurant and I was like, Ivan Nova's horrible on the third time around the order. Trumbo's going to go deep and he did it, man. And you won. It was awesome. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And we were like, Oh, I just hope they leave Nova and I hope they leave Nova because the bullpen <laughs> was so much better. And yeah, that worked out so nicely. Sorry for talking baseball, guys. This is a football <laughs> podcast. We're talking fantasy football today for week 15. DFS, we're going to be talking FanDuel and DraftKings. By the way, Justin is the co-founder and CEO of DailyFantasyInsider.com. It's a great site. I absolutely love it. And Justin, I think you've got something for our listeners. I do, yeah. The, this week, we're going to be talking about a lot of the picks that I'm planning on using in the my lineup for this final. And this is the week I've done more research than any week all, all year, as you'd imagine. And uh, so... I think it'd be fun for all the listeners to be able to see what I end up with on Sunday and kind of keep up with my team's research throughout the week. So I'm giving everybody that's listening a free week of NFL access on my website. Uh, It's dailyfantasyinsider.com. And you'll add the NFL weekly read-only membership to your cart. And then you'll enter the code fantasypros, and that'll make it free. So if you've never tried out our war rooms before, I think you'll like it a lot. And uh, I'll try to keep everybody updated with what I end up doing with my lineup. My strategy, obviously, is to just scream from the rooftops who I'm going to play because everybody here is way too smart to listen to anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Like, what difference is it going to make? No one's going to be like, oh, you're playing that guy. I'm going to play him, too. You know what I mean? They've done their own research. I actually think it pushes people who are on the fence to the to whoever else they were considering. Because they just want to think that their pick is going to be as contrarian as it can be. So if I just scream my favorite stack, that's another reason why I wanted to come on the podcast. I want people to hear who I'm using. So they're like, all right, that, that guy's taken. Like, you know, he's going to be owned, clearly. <laughs> like, and if there's like five guys who are considering your contrarian wide receiver play, I know you've got one that we're going to talk about here in a moment. If you claim him first, everyone's like, I don't want to be like the third or fourth guy playing him. You might get him all to yourself. And if he goes off, you might win this bad boy. Exactly. That's the plan. (laughs) All right, everyone. We're going to dive into the meat of the show here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our DFS optimizer. You can find it at fantasypros.com slash optimizer. When I'm building these lineups, I like to submit, you know, 30 or 40 into a contest. Like if you want to generate up to 150 at a time, you can use the multi lineup generator in the optimizer tool. It's going to save you hours of research. It saves me hours of research and lets you tweak your lineup as much as you want, like locking and excluding players, you know, setting limits on exposure and everything like that. It works with NFL, NBA, and MLB. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash optimizer. You guys are going to love it. And only Hall of Fame users get 
the most out of our DFS tools. If you don't already have the Hall of Fame package, we have a special $10 offer for six months of our Hall of Fame package. You can get more details and claim this offer today by going to fantasypros.com slash offers. So here's the plan. We're going to be talking FanDuel and DraftKings. Justin, you're playing over on DraftKings. Uh, Tags, you primarily play on DraftKings. I'm going to be covering a lot of the FanDuel stuff, but primarily it's just talking about players and matchups, and we'll talk about the salaries as well. But we're going to start with cash games for about 35 minutes. We're going to go to GPP after that. At the end of the show, we're going to give our lock of the week for cash games. And then we're going to give our favorite stack of the week for these GPP contests. Those are the big tournaments. You need to take some chances. Uh, Guys, let's go. We're starting at the running back position. Tags, we're starting with Christian McCaffrey. You playing him. You do play Christian McCaffrey. Uh, in terms of actual points per opportunity that uh, teams are allowing to running backs, the Seahawks, you know, people might look at that and think, oh, it's the Seahawks. They're, it's not a tough matchup. They're actually, they allow the six most uh, PPR points per opportunity behind only the Panthers, Jaguars, Texans, Lions, and Chiefs. And like, imagine that Christian McCaffrey was playing any of those teams. You would be playing him at 10K. So why aren't we doing the same thing with the Seahawks? I think that's totally fair. Now, Justin, we're going to get to GPP in a little bit. Like, it might be wise in GPP to fade a Christian McCaffrey, to fade a Chris Carson. But in cash games, would you recommend locking both these guys in, McCaffrey and Carson? Yeah, I would probably. I'd probably lock both. I don't think there's a value running back that you have to lock unless Josh Jacobs is out. Um, So I think you, in cash games, I think you go cheap receivers and pay up for both those guys. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely fair. Like if Josh Jacobs is out, the first person I would put in my lineup is DeAndre Washington. Would either of you guys disagree with that? In cash games, no. Yeah, forty seven hundred. That's that's an auto play. I mean, he's gonna have like eighty percent ownership, but that's fine. I'll eat it. <laughs> I honestly think that Washington might turn out to be a decent play, even if Jacobs goes. I wouldn't play him in cash games, but I mean, there's you know there's a chance that as you've mentioned, Josh Jacobs playing with a broken shoulder, like. Josh Jacobs goes out there, he plays one series, and he's like, dude, I can't do this. It's not worth it. We're not making the playoffs. And then DeAndre Washington goes in, and he gets himself another 18 touches against a bad defense. Yeah, I like that a lot. That was definitely the logic to playing Madison last week. And he did get, he got 16 touches, but he just didn't really do a whole lot. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so we got Christian McCaffrey, Chris Carson for cash games. Uh, I'm just going to say their price is $10,000 on DraftKings for McCaffrey. Not as bad as it's been the last couple weeks. Chris Carson's 7500 so he's the eighth most expensive. Our consensus projections have him as the second best running back of the week. Over on FanDuel, it's even better. He's the 13th most expensive. So I would play Carson even over McCaffrey. Like, I don't have McCaffrey locked into my lineup on FanDuel because there's some more stuff I'd like to do with, uh, with my cash over there. But Carson, absolutely, I'm playing him now is there another cash game play justin that you're fond of over on DraftKings? you know i'm hearing a lot of talk about patrick laird possibly being a cash game play which at first seems nuts because he's a miami running back but his the dolphins team total is actually the exact same as the panthers and laird played 80 percent of snaps last week he was targeted plenty in the passing game which kind of elevates his floor and he was the running back on pretty much every red zone play they kicked eight field goals, so it didn't amount to anything. <laughs> but Yeah, he could have very easily had two or three touchdowns, and we'd be telling a totally different story. Right. I mean, for how many times they got down there, he was running routes when he wasn't getting the carries. And, you know, the upside was there for him to score. It just didn't happen. So he's definitely an interesting cash guy. But, yeah, no one else down there in that range uh, under 5,000 is even remotely considerable, in my opinion, for cash games, uh, unless Jacobs is out. Yeah, so tags at 4,500. What we're looking for is 2.5x value in these cash games. So what that means is 
uh, 2.5 points for every thousand dollars. So we need 11 and a half points from Patrick Laird. Last two weeks on 14 carries, 17 against the Eagles, bad matchup. 13 against the Jets, bad matchup. He's getting it against the Giants, right? Yeah, I mean, I I like Laird at 4,500. He's fine, but the issue is that running backs, like the 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 spots that you have for running backs, are so valuable because wide receivers have been so unpredictable this year in terms of like how many three wide receiver sets, and you're paying up for guys, and you're doing this. And I mean, I don't know if we have to pay down for Laird is my issue because he's not going to win you the week. Like he's not going to carry your cash team to you know, to cash. <laughs> Basically, he's like a filler. He's like one of those cheap. And like if you don't use him, and he scores 18 points, like that's not going to kill you. Yeah, I, I don't. 18 points is quite a lot for him I guess he would raise his floor like I would like him even more if Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson were ruled out because his target floor would go up uh, but I don't think that he's an automatic play I mean can you find 1500 and get up to Gurley at 6k I mean the matchup against the Cowboys hasn't been particularly bad lately and they might be without Leighton Van Der Esch and Sean Lee for this game so if, if those guys are both out I think Gurley is like turned into a guy that's seeing over 80% of the work in that backfield over the last month he had 27 touches last week like the Rams Rams need to win, and they're going to Dallas. You can't pass against Dallas. You name my third running back tags. It's Todd Gurley. Oh yeah, I don't know how early you want to get get into this, but the Rams, the Rams stack is are my guys, and it's not even Goff. It's it's for me. It's Gurley, Higby, and Woods. Those are the only three guys that are getting any real valuable usage in that offense right now. And uh, yeah, I think Gurley is like a lock for twenty five touches a game, unless unless it's not competitive. So I did you know that McVeigh apologized last week? in the media said that he screwed up not letting Todd Gurley get more work earlier in the season and that he was overprotective with him and he's finally taking the reins off and letting him play the way he's supposed to play. Yeah. And we've seen it too. And he's a, yeah, it's been positive. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way Sean, I like the way Sean McVay dealt with the media in that uh, sense. So I, I'm, I'm using Chris Carson for sure. I'm using Todd Gurley for sure. I'm a little bit up in the air on my third running back. Um, there's some safer guys out there like a James White, Going up against Cincinnati, he's been so solid all year, except for the one week when it seems like everybody played him. Uh, Philip Lindsay going up against Kansas City is really interesting to me because you can't pass against them. Even when they're down, they've been running the ball with Philip Lindsay. This is by far his backfield now. Last four weeks, he's got the vast majority of the carries. Um, how do you feel about Philip Lindsay? Maybe Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, uh, James White, any of these guys on your radar for cash games, Justin? Yeah, so Fournette is a guy that I'm always high on. He's still second in the NFL in expected fantasy points per game. He's been remarkably inefficient with his carries at the goal line. You know, he's had like, I think it's like nine carries from the one yard line for negative three combined yards. So <laughs> he's he's converted three out of like nine or ten carries from the one, which is just in, in, like for context, Derrick Henry's five for five. Like, I can't believe that anyone could ever like, I think I could do better than three out of nine. <laughs> because there would just, the hole would just not behind the Jags offensive line, man, not behind the Jags, but the whole, <laughs> like on a random team, like the hole would just open up four out of nine times, right? For one yard. So pretty amazing. So I'm always kind of picking on him for a regression target because his, his targets are so high. His carries are so high and he always pops in every model. He's like clearly the number one play at his price. If you trust models, um, which everyone seems to be abandoning with him specifically and his ownership just keeps dropping. But, you know, you don't want to advise a loan play in cash, but I still feel like Fournette's pretty safe. He's still a pretty high floor guy. And uh, one guy I feel like we have to mention is Barkley because he's projected the highest ownership for running backs this week. So I don't know how I feel about Barkley. I, he's not in my initial build, 
because he didn't jump out to me right away and he's projected the highest ownership and I'm focusing on GBPs, I kind of just rule him out right away. Like, I don't even want to find something there that makes me want to play him because I'd like to fade him. So I don't know. Have you guys looked into Barkley much? I think he's a better cash play than tournament. I mean, like he's just not breaking those long runs. He just, I don't know if he came back from the ankle injury too soon. I have, there's so many things wrong here. And there's like no upside of him catching 10 passes like there was last year. You know what I mean? Right. There's a lot of short area targets to be had. And it seems like Evan Ingram wants to come back. And I mean, I think he's a better cash game than play than tournaments because he does get like, you know, 95% of the work and teams uh, running backs against the Dolphins typically average close to 30 touches. So, I mean, he is definitely in play for cash. I just, I don't know if he's, he's much of a tournament play though. I like Fournette a little bit more than Barkley for cash. Not only does he have 33 touch upside, as we saw just back in week 12 when he scored 37 fantasy points, right? Um, But he's a virtual lock for 20 touches against a Raiders defense that's just been getting crushed. They gave up 42 points last week to the Titans. Yeah, and should get he should get a lot more targets too with Chark out. It clears up some of the targets in that offense. So, I mean, I don't see his targets going anywhere. Uh, by the way, Justin, I want to go back to a point you made, okay? So you said Fournette is due for regression. There's a lot of people out there who will hear that as, well, regression means negative. You don't mean negative, though. No, so I'm sorry. So I use the word regression by its literal definition, which I think is actually often not the case. So regression just means that the performance will go towards the mean. So if they're playing better than they should be playing, they'll regress downward. But if they're playing worse than they should be playing, they would regress positively. So there aren't a lot of studs who are due for positive regression because most guys like like Christian McCaffrey is a good example where he averages like 30 DraftKings points a game and his expected is like 23 because he's much more talented. Expected fantasy points assumes the totally average player. So, of course, a guy like McCaffrey or Michael Thomas is going to drastically outperform their expected based on the volume that they're getting. So if you believe that Fournette deserves to be performing below the average player, then you would say that he's not due for regression. But because I think that he's as good as an average running back, then I would expect him to regress positively and eventually start having better games. All right, Tags, any other running backs you want to throw into the mix for cash games like that? Wouldn't it be crazy if you used or a lot of people might use them and this is a crazy play? You know, I mean, Philip Lindsay, I mean, I understand why people want to do it. And I, I, I thought about it. But the, when I started researching that game, uh, he has been getting most of the first and second down work. Now, if they fall behind, which is what we're projecting in that game, they're like, I mean, they're double digit underdogs, if I'm not mistaken. Dude, you don't you don't believe in the Drew Locke against his ex-girlfriend's dad's team? There? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> but no. So over the last uh, two two games uh, alongside it, Drew Locke. Freeman has run 36 pass routes. Lindsay's only run 15 of them. So if the game goes south, we could see Freeman. And that's actually what happened the last time that they played against the Chiefs. And that was without Patrick Mahomes. They went to Royce Freeman quite a bit more. So I, I don't want to play him in cash. I've been a super anti-Philip Lindsay guy for like the last two years. And he's kind of made me pay for it. Like he's definitely been better than I gave him credit for, for fantasy players at least. But yeah, his... He always just outperformed his expected fantasy points by so much. And I was just, I would ask people, do you think Philip Lindsay's the best running back in the league? Like, that's what it looks like. And of course they would say no, but then they'd still believe that he would continue to perform at that level. And I think we're finally seeing him kind of regress. Like, his expected fantasy points haven't changed. Like It's like Will Fuller back in the day, right? Like, do you really think Will Fuller is a, is a high-end wide receiver too or do you think he's just had a good touchdown rate and it's gonna come backwards yeah and boy did it really come crashing down the first four weeks of this season but uh but yeah i mean Lindsay's like i'm looking right now at his week by week expected fantasy points and 
he's hovered within a range of like seven to 13 in like 10 straight weeks. Um, but it's, so it's just interesting that, you know, he fluctuates because he just doesn't get enough volume that he won't fluctuate. Like that's why it scares me for cash games because he doesn't have a high enough touch floor that if he were to be inefficient with his first 10 touches, you'd be completely toast. Whereas McCaffrey could be inefficient for like the majority of the game and then still hit 30. No, I'm not playing Philip Lindsay and I'm not playing Miles Sanders, but if you're spending this much money on a running back, I'd rather have Miles Sanders against Washington. I feel like he's safer because of the touches, the snaps that he's been getting. He's playing 80% of the snaps um, for this offense. Good matchup, good game script. Uh, I, I don't think he's a bad play, but for me, I'm playing Carson for sure, Gurley for sure, and then I'm playing one of McCaffrey, Fournette, Barkley. Unless DeAndre Washington is the starter, then of course I'm playing him with Carson and Gurley. All right, guys, let's go to the wide receiver position. Uh, who are you starting with for cash games tags? I mean, this is going to take some stones, but I'm going to say it. Julio Jones. Oh, boy. All right. Make your case, baby. I am not scared of the San Francisco defense right now. They're going to be missing probably two of their three starting cornerbacks, and they're going to be starting. Ooh, he's cheap right now, man. Yeah, he's 7K. Calvin Ridley's out of the lineup. Julio's getting double-digit targets. And what do we always talk about the wide receivers? You want to pay, like, the only reason you would pay is if you know your, your receiver's going to get targets, and Julio's getting double digits this game. That's happening. The matchups, I'm not worried about. The two cornerbacks that he's going to be facing the majority of times, are, one's an undrafted free agent, and the other one's like a former fifth-round pick. They don't have the pedigree to hang with Julio. We saw the Michael Thomas eat them up last week. Again, if you get a double-digit target Julio, I'm playing him at 7K. Justin, is your GPP lineup already locked in, or are you hearing stuff like this and thinking, hmm, maybe I might need to adjust it? I'm actually hearing stuff like this and thinking, damn it, my lineup's already locked in, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to have to change anything. But I do. I do like that. I mean, that's it's enticing. One of my big rules is to not chase receivers who have this will have the same snap share, but they'll be they'll losing a teammate that takes targets away. I kind of said that a roundabout way, but kind of my example is if Ridley's out, I won't touch any other Falcons receiver. And I have just found over the years that the ownership really inflates like Chris Godwin not in my player pool like the the ownership just skyrockets on these guys and what I found is that the targets do not funnel directly to them if anything the defense just hunkers down on stopping that guy and but when you won't see it happen is when the injury happens mid-game so because the defense doesn't have time to game plan nor does the offense have time to work in the backup correctly um so Everyone will always look at the game log from the week that the injury occurred and say, wow, look what happened after this guy went down. They just started funneling targets to the number one wide receiver. And then the following week, that trend almost always drops off. So I did a lot of research with that in the offseason, and I've kind of lived and died by that rule this year. And it hasn't burned me much this year, actually, and, and the ownership is usually pretty high. The one time it burned me was Nelson Aguilar got two pretty lucky touchdowns when Alshon Jeffrey was out in, I think, week four. So... Other than that, I have not been burned by just fading the guys that who are missing a teammate. But if they come into a lot of snaps, then I like them. Like Watson for Tampa Bay should take Evans' snaps. We're like Demarcus Robinson back in week two, right? Exactly. If they're if they're coming into a whole lot more snaps and routes, then I'm more interested. But if they're keeping their same route share and they're just losing a talented teammate, I don't even think you can definitely say that helps. So yeah, I'm, I think that's definitely fair. Uh, I, I'm not even suggesting that Julio Jones is going to get a ton of targets or anything like that, but it's a sneaky play because of the defense being so banged up. Like they're playing half of the 49ers defense and half of their bench. Yeah. They're missing some people in the front seven too. And that, so basically Julio has already seen eight targets in every game once since they traded Sanu. So I, I'm not expecting like 20 targets. It's nothing like that, but I would say that this is a 10 to 12 target game for him at seven K. 
and uh, against that banged up defense. I just no, I definitely like the play, and they should be throwing like you know most of the game. People don't want to play Julio. Like for whatever reason, it's the whole never Julio thing. Uh, we have his projected <laughs> ownership at ten percent, which is not very high, obviously. Yeah, I have it low. I would rather play him over Devonte Adams. Oh yeah, there's no way I'm touching Devonte Adams against that Bears secondary. I just feel like that game's going to be more of a grinded out one. Where is I, I think it's sneaky shootout potential in that Falcons 49ers game. All right, guys, we've got a lot more players to talk about, obviously. But first, I want to tell you, if you are searching for a Christmas present for somebody who loves sports, you need to check out Pristine Auction. You are definitely going to find something for that person that they love. And you're going to be able to find great values, too, because there's hundreds, sometimes even thousands of items they auction off every single day. I'm always surfing to see what kind of values I can find. And my office is filled up with stuff from Pristine Auction. Everything's guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. And when you go there, sign up. It's free to sign up. Enter the registration code FANTASYPROS, all one word. That's going to get you $5 off, and it's going to tell them we're sending people their way. That way we can keep doing the contest like the one we have going on right now. We're giving away a signed Kenny Galladay full-sized Lions helmet. You can check out the details at fantasypros.com slash contest. Basically, all you need to do to enter, it takes like 30 seconds. Leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at fantasypros.com. Please leave an honest review. We just want to know what you guys think about the show so we can make it better. We can keep doing what you guys like. And if you're still listening now, I would imagine you've enjoyed the show this year. Please just take 30 seconds to do it. We really appreciate it. Tags and I read every single one of them, right, Tags? Absolutely. It's 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 one of the coolest things because we don't always get to interact with everyone that listens to the podcast. But uh, when those reviews come through, we make sure to read them. And again, that's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And for the contest, it's fantasypros.com slash contest. There's two guys that I really like at FanDuel. It's, it's kind of like what we talked about last week um, with our guest that we had on, Doug Norrie. That there's just these mid-range guys on FanDuel that for whatever reason their prices don't come up. It doesn't matter how good they are. Like DJ Moore is a wide receiver one pretty much every week. He's got a good matchup. And yet he's he's ranked as the 23rd most expensive wide receiver against Seattle. Keenan Allen, 24th most expensive wide receiver against Minnesota, who's been just getting absolutely torn up by wide receivers. I'm playing both DJ Moore and Keenan Allen. I feel like they're both safe and have plenty of upside. Do you guys have any problem with those plays? No, I really like both of those. Uh, I especially like DJ Moore. Before last week, he was number one in the NFL in expected fantasy points among all wide receivers uh, since week eight. And I don't know if that's going to stop. I don't know. You know, I've seen all these stats that like, well, a lot of his targets are garbage because Kyle Allen's garbage. And that's totally fair. But well, I mean, that's fair. But if he's throwing the ball 40 times a game, it's going to add up. Right. For him to be that low, I mean, what you just, he should not be outside the top 10 price receiver. So on FanDuel, it sounds like he's a total must have. Yeah, at 23, and, and then Keenan Allen, 24 as well. Christian Kirk's in that range too. He's 6,100, 40th most expensive, and he's been pretty safe as well going up against Cleveland. Like you look at their matchups the last couple of weeks, they went up against San Francisco, the Rams, the Steelers. That's not a good run. This week he gets Cleveland. Um, tags Denzel Ward is not going to be on him, is he? It just, yeah, I mean, they play sides with Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward. So, I mean, that shouldn't uh, impact too much there. DJ Moore, decent play. Uh, he typically lines up on Trey Flowers' side of the field, and Flowers is their worst perimeter cornerback, where Shaquille Griffin will be. We'll see uh, Curtis Samuel more often than not. And the reason that you like Moore and the reason he's actually putting up fantasy points is because Kyle Allen can't throw the ball over 10 yards, and DJ Moore is a very intermediate like area of the field. And if Greg Olson's out again, Ian Thomas, I don't anticipate him seeing 10 targets. So I don't mind the DJ Moore one. As for Keenan Allen against Minnesota, Minnesota has been better in the slot. Mackenzie Alexander has been actually pretty good. Uh, they've been burning the perimeter. Keenan Allen goes there half 
half the time. So it's it, I'm not I won't talk you out of Keenan Allen, but I, I still think that Mike Williams is a, is a good play on DK in regards to like what Minnesota is allowed to wide receivers and the role that he plays in the team. So Justin, based on the prices you're seeing over on DraftKings, who are some cash game plays that you feel fond of? So I think wide receiver cash games is really hard this week. Like there's not there aren't a lot of guys that are horrendously mispriced. Everyone on the Jags is horrendously mispriced, apparently. I mean, Chris Conley, 36. D.D. Westbrook, 46. Keelan Cole, 3K. Mike Williams, 46. Lately, you can barely count on them. We'll see. Okay, so there's a lot of options, but there's not like one that's like, oh, clearly lock that guy in. Oh, Danny Amendola is the guy. We could all just keep throwing out names that are in that range. But if you want to break out of that range, I like Jarvis Landry and I like Robert Woods. Those are kind of my two favorite guys in that range. Woods, I mean, since, like I already said, like since they've switched to their 12 personnel formation, they just only have Woods and Higby and Gurley as the guys to get the ball. Josh Reynolds is playing almost all the snaps ahead of Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks, which I never thought I would be saying that as long as I lived, but he's the best blocking wide receiver of the four. And like, you know, McVay values that that's what he wants on the field. And so he's basically a non-threat in terms of taking targets away. And it kind of just leaves Higby, Woods, and Gurley. So uh, Woods, is it's no fluke that he has been getting so many targets the last few weeks. And I feel like thats it's pretty safe. Dude, they've got 47 targets to him since the bye week in four weeks. 47. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, they are just feeding him. And uh, with Cup off the field, he's fantastic. And Cup only has played, like, he only played like 24% of snaps last game. Do you think he was sick or what are you speculating there? From what I've, t- I've talked to some people who know the Rams pretty well, and uh, they said that McVay just doesn't like his blocking. He just doesn't want him on the field if there could be a run play. And I think if you watch the film, you'll see that you know every time that you think, okay, surely this is a pass, he's on the field. And then whenever you think, well, I don't know if it's a pass or a run, he's not. So that, that, that to me says that he's not injured. And like that looked like very game plan dependent. I remember the same thing happened with Gerald Everett like four weeks ago before he got hurt. He only played 24% of snaps, and then when he they announced his injury and he started missing games, everyone said, oh, that's why he only played 24% of snaps, but I'm not totally convinced by that either. If you look at Tyler Higby, his snap counts were, were elevating every single week leading up to Everett going out, and I think it's this new formation, this new scheme. It's working really well, and I don't see any reason why they would change it, so Woods seems like a pretty safe bet to me for another 8-15 to 15 target game. That's interesting, and I like the Landry call as well. I've uh, got him right now penciled into my cash game lineup over on FanDuel. Now, he's a little bit more expensive over there. He's 7400 so 15th most expensive. I'm looking at him on uh, on DraftKings, and uh, Jarvis Landry is uh, 6700 but he's he's super safe. The model likes him as the top 10 wide receiver over in full PPR DraftKings this week. Tags, what do you think about Landry, Woods? Do you have any other plays that you like besides those cheap guys on the Jags? Yeah, I like Landry quite a bit. Obviously, Beckham has been struggling a little bit, and uh, Landry does play in the slot a lot more than Beckham. Buda Baker has been a guy that's been coming down to help out in the slot. He didn't practice. He's got a hamstring injury, probably not going to play. Byron Murphy, one of their perimeter cornerbacks, he was limited with a calf injury. So that secondary is bad to begin with. They're only getting worse. And it's already historically the worst secondary. Yeah. Ever. I mean, Beckham's a fine tournament play, but Landry's the cash guy. As for the Rams situation, that was one that really like got to me. And it was like I, I, I dug deep on that one, trying to find some things about it. And uh, there was an interview with Sean McVay where he said that basically these guys are asked to be essentially fullbacks for part of the season. And it's just wearing on them. And he wanted to give them uh, some snaps off to keep them fresh. And uh, to see Cup, you know, only play 19 snaps or whatever it was. 
that's obviously worrisome. And uh, this could be, honestly, and you, you talked about the tight ends, about like that flip-flopping, even though uh, Gerald Everett was producing. Uh, I think that Sean McVay is doing things to change it up to be less predictable as an offense overall. I think teams started to catch on to what they wanted to do, and now they're changing, and it could be a Bill Belichick situation. It was like a must-win game against the Seahawks, though. Like, that's shocking they wouldn't use Cup if, if somebody, he was right. Well, it, it, it's not that shocking, though. Like, think about it. That's a divisional matchup. Those teams see each other all the time. This is like... McVeigh, like he has seen them now. It's this would be this was the sixth time that he's played against the Seahawks and Pete Carroll. They know each other extremely well. So to come in that game with like an odd like what personnel do we put on the field? Like Cooper Cup's not out there. Brandon Cooks isn't out there. Like what do we do? And it just changes things. It was like highly unexpected against the Cowboys. I don't think that they need to play those games. But I don't. I think that. That game to me feels a little bit low scoring, and I know Justin, I'm I'm, I'm not going to talk you out of it because I know that's that's your baby. I'm not a big fan of that game in general. Is all. I definitely see the upside, though. That's definitely kind of a sentiment that I'm picking up is that people just are not that excited about that game. But, you know, the team totals are 25 and 24. So, Ooh, 49 on that game. Yeah. Vegas loves it. So I, I'm i kind of with you that it seems like it could be kind of more of a grinded out game. But I have to, you know, give some credibility to Vegas here. That's that's probably the highest total of the week. I haven't checked like recently. It might be Houston, Tennessee. They're kind of Houston, Tennessee is 51. Yeah. They're kind of flip-flopping back and forth. But I think that the Houston, Tennessee game is like, it's on everyone's radar. Like everyone's so aware that game has shootout potential. And yet Vegas is like, hey, this other game might too. And everyone's like, no, no, we just, we don't think so. And so I kind of like those opportunities. So I'm like tags, not to discredit what you said. I totally agree. It does feel that way to me too. Like it could be like that. But I'm trying to go off of using that Vegas total and using the fact that there's not another offense that only is using three players. And like I can't think of another team that has it as funneled as Woods, Higby, Gurley is. So I kind of like just locking in all the guys that have been getting all the work and just hope that I kind of you could interpret what McVeigh said as like, you know, it's it's Cup. It's our fault. We're asking Cup to play like a fullback. You can kind of interpret that as he's not getting the job done as a blocker. <laughs> like. Yeah. Because that's kind of what I've been hearing for like, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, name drop a source or anything, but like from, from people in the Rams, like what I'm hearing is they're not happy with Cup as, as a blocker. He's not getting it done. So McVeigh is a very smart coach. He's not going to throw his players under the bus. Anytime he talks to the media, he's going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say something like, it's our fault. We're asking him to do something that he's not, you know, his body can't hold up with or whatever they're going to say. But to me, I interpret that as, yeah, I was right. They don't like Cup as a blocker. Great. So I kind of like hearing that. So guys, let's talk some cheap plays here, okay? Uh, we already mentioned Chris Conley and D.D. Westbrook. They're going up against Atlanta. DJ Chark's out. Uh, Mike Williams every week has a lot of upside, but is he safe for cash games? And then I want to throw in Curtis Samuel, 4,400 on DraftKings as well against Seattle. Uh, tags of these four, if you had to pick one or two, who do you prefer? Danny Amendola. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. I meant to, I meant to mention Amendola in there, 4100 too against Tampa. I'm serious. I'm probably going to play Amendola in cash at 4100 against Tampa. It it just makes it, you know you look at it and you say, are they going to throw the ball a whole lot with Blau under center? I'm like, well, if you look at the last couple of games, they they have it's 38 and 40 pass attempts against Minnesota and the Bears, and uh, you can't run the ball in Tampa Bay. We uh, like everybody knows that, and uh, so when you start looking like where are these pass attempts going to? Kenny Galladay is going to get a whole bunch of them, which is why Galladay is a fantastic tournament play. Well, is he? Because Kenny Galladay is getting not many targets. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was about to say I'm totally with you on Amendola because I don't think that their other guys are getting used nearly as much as Amendola. Yeah, because Galladay is more of a like he has a, a bigger A dot than somebody like Amendola. And as you know, with Blau, like 
He's got the worst arm of any starting quarterback in football right now. (laughs) (laughs) Him and Kyle Allen are competing for it. But, I mean, that's why I'm saying Amendola and Cash, I think Galladay in tournaments, because Galladay should see double-digit targets with no Marvin Jones. Like, there's just nobody on that roster that you could expect. They already had TJ Hawkinson go out for the year. They're not targeting Jesse James. I mean, Logan Thomas, are we going to project him for six to eight targets? I don't want to do that. It's just basically trying to find where those targets are going. And I think in Amendola, over the last two weeks, I mean, he's seen eight targets in each game. So at 4,100, like that's what you're looking for in a cheap wide receiver to get those targets. And, and it, is, it just happens to be like the best matchup in football. I think this is a great call, Tags. A really good call. No, I like this call a lot. That's this. Amendola is one of the guys that I is in my tight pool of players that I might end up using. And um, I, he feels more like a cash game play to me, which is kind of why he's on the outside looking in. But just because ADOT's not there. But I he's actually did have a few deep targets that didn't get caught. He... He led the Lions in expected fantasy points in that Thanksgiving game, uh, which seems nuts because Galladay beat him by like 100 points. But Galladay just had a couple of broken coverages go for touchdowns. Galladay had 8.1 expected fantasy points in that Thanksgiving game, even though he was the highest scoring wide receiver on the whole slate. Just because, you know, a target, you know, a 15-yard downfield target or 30-yard downfield from your own 20 doesn't actually have a super high expected value. Like, odds are it's incomplete, and usually if you catch it, you're tackled when you do. And so for him to get two of those to go for like 70 yard touchdowns or whatever is super yeah, unlikely, crazy. but crazy. And against the bears too. Right. It's just stupid. Amendola was the guy who actually had 13.1 expected, which was the highest. And, and then last week he had 12.7, which again was very solid. So he hasn't really converted these opportunities from Blau. And uh, you would expect lions receivers to come in below their expected because Blau is obviously below average. Um, but the cool thing is if it works out, you get to tweet bling, bling, Blau which is always fun. <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, that's the upside. All right, guys, we've got a lot more players to talk about, obviously. But before we do tags, I want to tell the listeners about our new Paul Frederick shirts. What colors did this engine, man? I got different ones. Uh, I got a purple and black one that was kind of like a checkered thing that uh, I'm such a plain guy. Like I wear a lot of a uh, flat color shirts. It's usually like a black or a white shirt, to be honest with you. Right. Like they, they asked us about this before they sent us the clothes. Like, hey, what do you guys like to wear? And we were like, yeah, you know, pretty plain stuff. We don't really like to stand out. They're like, we're sending you colors, baby. And they sent it to us and it looks awesome. Yeah, no, it does. And it makes your, it's like a conversation starter with me anyways, because people usually see me in like sweatsuits and stuff like that. But when we go out to dinner, uh, I'll dress something different. I might be like jeans and a black t-shirt and they might be like, oh, that's dressed up for Mike. Uh, but I wore this shirt out and they were they were like, what happened here? And uh, after telling about the podcast sponsor, they're like, oh, it all makes sense now. Right. Commenting on it though. Yeah, I got a lot of attention from it. I was looking good, man. People were like, dude, you look nice. Like, what's the what's the deal here? Well, the deal is I usually just like wearing comfortable clothes. But when it's comfortable and looks good, sure, yeah, heck, I'll wear that. Paul Frederick makes really comfortable clothes, and it looks great. I went out of my comfort zone, and I felt good when I was wearing that stuff. What about you, Tags? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the, the biggest things about dress shirts usually is that they're a little bit more stiff, and you just feel like you're wearing a dress shirt. This feels more like a casual shirt, but it is a dress shirt. Yep, absolutely. It's a really good quality as well. You can visit paulfrederick.com slash fantasypros to receive $50 off any shirt. Again, that's paulfrederick.com slash fantasypros. Paul Frederick has been making dress shirts for over 30 years, and those shirts are pretty darn good as Tags and I were talking about. Paul Frederick is about interesting colors and patterns and details that elevate your wardrobe for work. They believe that when you wear a new color or something a little different, it lifts your spirit. People notice and it feels good. And I'm telling you guys, it was true. Again, paulfrederick.com slash fantasy pros to receive $50 off any shirt. 
Tags, any other wide receivers you want to mention for cash games? I mean, if somebody really has the money to do it, Hopkins. I mean, I don't even know if Dory Jackson is going to play in that game, but even if he does, it's not. I mean, so if Fuller is out, I think Hopkins is worth it in both cash and tournaments because if Fuller's out, we're seeing him get like legit, I think 11 plus targets every single game. So yeah, I, that secondary is just too banged up. It's, it's hard to pass on Hopkins, but that's a good call. Would be nice to have that kind of money. I'm not going to have it to spend on Hopkins, but it's a good call. I always want to touch on that because some people feel comfortable playing Laird and, and DeAndre Washington. And they might be like, I'm just looking for some guys with targets that have like wide receiver one upside and Hopkins surely does. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you have any other wide receivers before we move on over to tight end? I do have a guy that I, I tweeted at you guys that I might share on this podcast, and I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Is this for GPP or cash games? Because you can save it for the GPP segment. All right. I'll save it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll make people all wait. <laughs> Tease it a little bit. All right. Let's go to the tight end position. And, uh, you know, it's really frustrating because, like, usually there's this one lockdown play at the tight end position that I love. I'm not really seeing it this week. This is the last position I'm filling this week because it's just like, well, there's like four or five guys that are good plays, but nobody's a great play. I have three different levels here. If you want to pay up, I mean, Waller at 5,500 makes a lot of sense. Foster Moreau uh, is, was placed on IR. That's going to free up a couple targets. Um, he was always, he was stealing those. Moreau had like five or six touchdowns on the year. So it's. Yeah, but tight end's like the only position the Jags are good at. Nah, I don't even think they're good at it. It's just a matter of like the targets usually funnel elsewhere. Gesicki at 4K, he's a guy that's basically locked into five, six, seven targets. And again, if Albert Wilson and Parker are out, there's a lot of targets there for Gesicki. And then if you if you want to go cheaper than that, OJ Howard at 3,500. Dang, man. Yeah, I mean, with Evans out, yeah, I guess so. I, I love Howard this week, and I mean, people aren't going to be surprised to hear that. Uh, and then if you want to go like even cheaper, going down to uh, Ian Thomas, if Greg Olson is out uh, at 3,100. Ian Thomas is who I have penciled in right now for DraftKings, at least at 31. Now, Justin, we know you're using Tyler Higby, but if you weren't, would Thomas be your guy? Yeah, it would be Thomas. Because I think that the way builds are kind of coming together this week on both sides is you kind of have to punt tight end. and or not punt completely, but like you want to save salary there. And and I think there's no reason not to with how good the value is with Thomas and Higby. Last year, Thomas actually played five games in this exact role. And, you know, I don't think Kyle Allen was the quarterback, but or he wasn't. But, uh, you know, he did get quite a few targets. He had some really solid games and he wasn't amazing. And keep in mind, he did have a game where he had like 10 targets and followed that up with like a three target game. So it's definitely a volatile situation, but if the Panthers are passing, which I think it'd be reasonable to expect them to pass quite a bit, then he's certainly a very solid play. And you just saw how poorly Seattle handled Tyler Higby. And I feel like Ian Thomas is more similar to Tyler Higby than people think. I, they both kind of like worked their way around uh, to find the open spots. And he seemed to have good chemistry with Allen. So he's on their radar. But yeah, I'm going to have Higby. I, I love like whenever Goff starts darting his head around, which he does after like one read doesn't work out, then... <laughs> He just finds Higby, and, and Higby's just there for him. Higby, like, identifies him darting his head around, and you see him cut his route off and, like, come back to Goff. And that kind of those kind of targets I really like because I think the Cowboys' secondary is good enough to take Goff off his first read on some plays, and which will benefit Higby. So, yeah, I'm, I've watched too much film on the Rams, and now I'm probably, like, a huge stand that I, like, unfairly biased towards them. But, yeah, that's... I'm going with Higby. I like Higby. I like Thomas. Uh, I really like Mike Gesicki as well if uh, if Parker's out. On FanDuel, tight end uh, salaries are just so much different. Like 
Ian Thomas is 5,300. Zach Ertz is 6,700. Like, can I pay an extra 1,400 to go up from my tight end 10 to my tight end one or two in Zach Ertz? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, so I'm going Zach Ertz on FanDuel. I like those plays you guys mentioned uh, on DraftKings. Now let's go to the DST position for cash games. Tags, is there a safe play out there or is it just how much money do I have? <laughs> I mean, I'm playing the Lions at 2300 to save some money. You, you just play a defense against Jameis Winston. The Lions just happen to be um, at home in that game too. It, I mean, without Mike Evans, Jameis Winston can make even more mistakes than usual. That offensive line is terrible. Donovan Smith might not play their left tackle. That might be an upgrade, actually. So I may, maybe I downgrade the Lions. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, at 2,300, I mean, you're just looking. We, we talked about this last week, and there's a, le- a reason that we landed on the Colts at 2,400. You're just looking to save some money. And uh, if you get a defense that's playing against Jameis Winston for under 2,500, it's, it just seems like a no-brainer thing. Over on FanDuel, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs at home against Denver. Uh, Drew Locke is a rookie quarterback. He has looked better, but this Chiefs defense, they might be a top five or six defense in the NFL, and they're under 4K on FanDuel, which is a great price uh, for a defense. Justin, which way are you going for cash games and or GPP? So for cash games, I'm going to go with tags, and keep in mind, I'm more of a DraftKings player. So I'm going with the Lions on DraftKings because, you know, Jameis is going to make mistakes. And I do, Bobby, you know, I I think we encourage debate and contradiction on this on this pod. So I do want to come back against the Chiefs defense because I just had a big debate against with somebody in, in DFI who's like a big Chiefs stand and like loves Chiefs D. And ordinarily, I would say, yeah, Chiefs D against rookie QB. The Chiefs D has been way better than people are giving them credit for. But Drew Locke is so good in the pocket. And that's his only thing that he does well. But he just dodges sacks left and right because I played Chargers D against him in his first start a couple weeks ago well yeah he had to it was behind Missouri's offensive line in the SEC like he learned quick (laughs) but I mean seriously a guy would be coming up from behind and I'm thinking okay here comes strip sack fumble like there's no and then he just steps forward like intuitively and just gets out of the way and I'm like are you kidding me like (laughs) there were probably 10 chances for the Chargers to sack Eli Manning and Drew Locke took one out of those 10 sacks. And then he took another one sack last week under pressure. Also has like the lowest air yards of all the quarterbacks in the NFL. So if he's not going to throw the ball downfield for me and he's not going to take any sacks, I'm kind of lost on where my upside is. So I've totally abandoned defenses against Drew Locke. And also I'm biased because it totally screwed me with the Chargers. But he, defenses against him have only scored two points in back-to-back weeks. And everyone's calling him that he's, you know, he's due for a pick six. And Maybe he is, but I don't I don't see it from from watching the film. So I'd go Lions and Cash. We're going GPP right now for the remainder of the show. We've got about 20 minutes to talk about it. So who do you have in GPP that you love? So I think in the GPPs, I want to go with the Eagles. Uh, I think the Redskins are going to be pass heavy this week. That's my thought. I've talked to some people in their organization that, that believe that's the case. And you're Red, you're a Redskins fan, aren't you? I am. Well, I used to be. I retired this offseason. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I was a Redskins fan, and I do know the team pretty well, although I try not to watch them. But I I believe that they're going to be pretty pass-heavy with, with losing guys. Their focus is on improving improving for next year and practicing things that they're going to do. And running the ball with Adrian Peterson does not fall into the category of building for the future. So I think they're going to be very pass-heavy and try to target this Eagles secondary. So I love picking a defense against a team that I think passes a lot, especially when their quarterback stinks. So uh, Eagles D works for me. And then also my GBP receiver happens to be the Eagles punt returner. So that's a really nice correlation stack uh, that I might try to use uh, in GPPs. 
All right, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, I like the Eagles call for GPP. I like going up and spending a little bit of money on GPP for a defense because a lot of people aren't going to do that. Um, Tags, do you have a, a defense like that? Uh, yeah, the Seahawks, uh, 3,700 on DK. That's what I was going to say, man. Yeah, they're 4,700 on FanDuel. They're expensive, but uh, I'd use it in GPP. Kyle Allen's turned into a turnover machine, and uh, if he starts off slow, they might go to Will Greer, and that could even get worse. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen if that happens, but uh, yeah, the Seahawks at 37, and I do like the Chiefs at 3,500 in tournaments. I wouldn't play them in cash, but uh, in tournaments, I do like the Chiefs. All right, guys, tight end position for GPP. Uh, Justin, I know you're using Tyler Higby. Tags, you know who I'm going to say. It's Noah Fant going up against the Chiefs. Uh, Noah Fant has, you know, the upside to, to get a big play. He's also been targeted a ton since they traded Emmanuel Sanders. And I know the last couple weeks that he hasn't, but they went up against the Chargers, the Texans. The Texans are horrible against wide receivers. They're all right against uh, tight ends. They went up against the Bills and the Vikings, two of the toughest for tight ends. This week, they get Kansas City. Kansas City's great against wide receivers, not so much against tight ends. And I know Fant's got the injury, so keep an eye on that. But I also think that means nobody's going to play Noah Fant, and he's got that true tight end one type of upside. Tags, who do you have? I have Jacob Hollister at 3,800. like him a lot. Uh, Carolina has only allowed, I think it's the sixth fewest points to tight ends, uh, but that's not has nothing to do with the actual talent on that team because that was a team that got like crushed by tight ends last year, and it, it's, it was the same scheme this year. Uh, well, essentially, they were doing somewhat of a hybrid, but uh, it's because teams just haven't targeted in, as much because they've been running the ball over and over. And I feel like this is a week where Russell Wilson gets back on track. Uh, they do go through the passing game. I like Tyler Lockett quite a bit, uh, but I do like Hollister. And I also think Ertz is a good play at 6K. I mean, you're getting like, you know, the highest scoring tight end for 6K against like potentially the one of the worst defenses uh, against the tight end position. And we don't even know if Aguilar is going to play. There's just, I mean, I don't like Ertz and Cash because I feel like it could be one of those weeks where all of a sudden just Goddard just goes off for two touchdowns, but uh, Ertz at 6K creates some different lineup construction. All right, so who are you going with at wide receiver, Justin? So Greg Ward Jr. is is my guy. Yeah, right? O- over under like 15 targets this week. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I, so I went back and was watching that film, and I was like, how did Ortega Whiteside do nothing in this game? And the answer is he's never open. Like, He's the worst receiver I've ever seen. So <laughs> Greg, Greg Ward is really good. He just dropped a lot of the passes that were his, thrown his way. But the Eagles obviously have no problem with that. They keep starting Nelson Aguilar. So I'm not worried about Ward losing any time due to his drops. If anything, they're just going to you know encourage him. And whenever a guy makes a drop or a bad penalty, they always target him on the next play. That just seems to be how the NFL works. So Ward actually, on paper, he has nine targets. And I'm glad that that's all that he has if you look at his game logs. Because he actually had 12. And the three that don't show up on the stat sheet are the three, probably the three most valuable outside of his end zone target at the end of the game. He caught a touchdown, which was nullified due to a penalty and an irrelevant penalty to his touchdown. And then he had two deep targets that he didn't catch either of. And then there was some kind of like an off, like a, some kind of weird, like illegal touching or other plays by the defense that didn't impact the play, but then they accepted the penalty. So it nullified the incomplete target. So I was when I was watching the film, I was like, ooh, this is gold. Like, this guy had twelve targets. He had like four deep targets, two end zone targets, and all that's gonna show up on the stat sheet is that he had a few catches for a few yards. And I consider myself very fortunate because I min cashed that showdown slate and I did not play Greg Ward, which was a huge mistake, and I got away with it because he last week, if you factor in plays nullified due to penalty nobody had higher expected fantasy point total than Greg Ward, which 
is unbelievable. He's 3000 on DraftKings. He is literally the minimum salary, and he returns punts. So if you stack him with Eagles defense, you've got a minimum salary receiver who could get you 12 on a punt return touchdown with Eagles D. And I would expect him to have probably 8 to 12 targets. Looked like they liked him in the red zone. And they clearly can't get anything out of Ortega Whiteside. And also, Ward only had one target up until the time Alshon Jeffrey left. And then it bumped a lot. And I know, you know, I just made the case against, you know, receiver goes down, play the backup. But to me, that just kind of really solidifies his snaps and solidifies his role more than taking the targets away from Jeffrey. You totally just talked me into him for the uh, the fan championship over on FanDuel. I'm going to get one piece of exposure, and if it goes off, I'm going to be pretty pumped. Uh, Tex, do you have a couple wide receivers you like for uh, for GPP? Yeah, I, I, and the weird part is that the game that Justin likes so much, I, I like a receiver that he doesn't like, and that's Cooper Cup. Like I said, I think last week was just like circumstantial, and now going against the Cowboys, the Cowboys have been really freaking good against wide receivers the last two years, actually, even going back to the start of 2018, but... They did lose Anthony Brown for the year. He was their slot cornerback. They've, they've went to Jordan Lewis there. And since taking over, he's allowed 25 of 32 passing for 369 yards and two touchdowns. That includes the 110-yard game to Cole Beasley. And he scored a touchdown in that game. Anthony Miller only saw four targets last week, but he scored. That's the matchup that you target against them. Now, they do they do move uh, Woods into the slot a little bit too. So I, I can understand the Woods love, but I think Cooper Cup is the guy in tournaments because he'll be less popular with the sharp guys. Like, Because a lot of sharp guys are just like, after playing 19 snaps, they don't want to play him. Um, but this is the area of the field to attack. And it wouldn't shock me at all if Cooper Cup is back out there in a full-time role and he just he straight, straight up dominates Dallas. What do you have his ownership projected for? We've got him at eight point two on FanDuel, eleven percent on DraftKings. Yeah, I'm. I have like I have him for like ten or eleven on DraftKings, and I only have Woods for like fifteen. So I made the same mistake. We've got Woods for five on FanDuel. Yeah. Oh my goodness. See, I so I made the mistake on the showdown slate of talking myself out of Woods, who I knew is the guy in this formation, and convincing myself that they this would be the week that they go back to Cooper Cup, even though his snaps have been declining every week. This is the week that they're going back to him. And I get 19 snaps. So, and he had 17 targets against Seattle the first time they played. Like, he was the guy. Like, the whole game plan was he was the first read on every play. So I thought, why not take a shot on that? Well, he ended up being higher owned than Woods, despite the declining snap count. And then Woods, of course, beat him again. So I, I can't do it in tags. I wish you the best of luck, but I can't do it again. <laughs> I can't go back there. <laughs> Guys, I've got a couple wide receivers I'm fond of for GPP. Uh, Jacoby Myers against Cincinnati. He's been number two on the team in snaps over the last three weeks, and it's really not even close. Uh, Sammy Watkins, yeah, he hasn't really been getting it done, but if you're telling me we've got a guy who could get a dozen targets from Patrick Mahomes, yeah, sign me up for GPP. I'll have some exposure to him. And then Darius Slayton. Um, just because everyone's like, ah, oh, well, are people going to play him though? Like I, I actually saw him and I was like, his price makes sense. Like the ceiling is there, but I think he's going to have high. Yeah. But I, I don't think people are going to play him because golden Tate's back. Sterling Shepard's going to be there. Saquon Barkley's there. They're playing Miami like Darius Slayton. If he gets 150 yards for two scores again, when it surprised me at all, nobody likes playing wide receivers who just went off. Right. Like it's become the least popular thing ever. Like, I don't think I've ever experienced a season of DFS where if a guy goes off, you know he'll be lower owned the next week than he was when he went off. Isn't it weird? Yeah, we've been adjusting our ownership projections for that because it's just uh, so many people have come on to that idea. Yeah, everyone's and people are coming on to that idea to a fault. Like everyone's been waiting for Jarvis Landry regression 
forever. Like for six weeks in a row, I've played Landry pretty much, and he's been like under ten percent owned in every single game but one. And and his price isn't really rising. Price isn't rising because the because the DraftKings pricing algorithm and same with FanDuel, they both factor in ownership even more than performance. So like the Knicks, and to switch to NBA for a quick example, last night all the Knicks players went up a thousand dollars in salary, even though they'd all come off like their worst games of the whole season, just because they were mega chalk on the slate before. So ownership has to rise before they're willing to raise the price on a player because they're like, well, if you guys don't want him, then he's obviously priced correctly. So Landry just sits there at like, you know, the six to 7,000 range every week, even though he's been like totally outperforming Odell Beckham every week. There's constantly the same price just because of ownership. All right, guys, let's go to the running back position. Justin, that was a great note. Now, I told you before the show on Twitter that I have a running back that I'm fond of for GPP, that his ownership is going to be, I don't know, maybe 1%. He goes up against Detroit, who's been horrible against the run this year. And yeah, they've got a little bit better of late, um, but nobody's going to want to play Ronald Jones because the last couple weeks it's just been like, dude, this guy is killing us. He had a great matchup against the Jags, and he went for one freaking point. Jameis Winston is banged up. They're going to be ahead in this game. For once in the entire season, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to be ahead. If Ronald Jones got yourself 18 carries against the Lions, could he be a top five or six running back? I say the answer is yes. And since no one's going to play him, I've got uh, plenty of exposure. I like that. Tags? I hope you're right. I mean, I I'm, I know you're hating on, hating on my Ronald Jones pick. but I root, I root for Ronald Jones, but I, I screw Tampa Bay running backs. Well, I, that's why nobody's going to play him, right? But is there a chance that he goes for 20 fantasy points? 20? I could see it, yeah. I mean, he, he has the big playability that um, Peyton Barber doesn't. Peyton Barber just falls down. <laughs> into the end zone. <laughs> yeah. Into the end zone. <laughs> right. He does. He does. <laughs> uh, so, Tags, I know who you're going with. I'm just going to say it so you don't have to say the words yourself. Tags likes Sony Michelle this week. No, I'm not doing it. You guys, I, I'm. I, I've literally just walked away from that entire conversation. I was like, you guys, you guys talked me out of it. I'm done. But no, no. In, in tournaments at running back, you kind of have to look at the guy, the price points and the guys that people are playing. People are going to play. Carson's going to be heavily owned. Saquon, Gurley, Fournette, like those. That's the area, right? So you want to look at the running backs in that territory that might be lesser owned because of that. Aaron Jones has been getting a lot more work in the passing game. The Bears defense missing both starting inside linebackers with Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. They're saying they might get uh, Akeem Hicks back this week we don't know Nick Chubb at 7900 he's a guy when you talk about regression to the mean that dude has been getting 20 carries a week and if you look at uh, Arizona and the times that they've faced running backs that have gotten 20 carries they do work and uh, Nick Chubb would it shock me if he goes for 100 yards and two touchdowns absolutely not and then like obviously Dalvin Cook at 8900 uh, the, the ownership's going to be under 10% I would say uh, but Alexander Madison might not play in that game so he could see more work than usual so, yeah, it's like you start looking at the price points and just pivoting off those guys that are going to be heavily owned uh, because pe- a lot of people like, you know, we talked to Joe Holka on here. He's a he's a big time DFS player and he's uh, he, he sees like I don't veer off my running backs too much in tournaments because like I, I have my core set of guys and then I build my wide receivers from there. So looking at the pivots, the guys that can finish as the RB one for the week, those names I just mentioned, those guys all fill that role. So, Justin, I want to ask you, OK, so Chris Carson is going to be 60, 70, 80 percent owned, I would imagine. At least on, on FanDuel with his price point being what it is. Um, over on DraftKings, he's probably going to be 50% owned in your contest. Are you fading him? It's it's definitely in consideration for me. The top priorities for me are Gurley and Fournette. And those are kind of the top two for me. So then it, Carson is my third one right now. But yeah, that's the spot that I'd be looking to switch off of. 
but but it's it's hard. It's hard to get off. And Carolina's run D's been so bad, and and without Penny, it just seems like he, he could be the workhorse. But it's a tough spot, definitely. Uh, some GPP pivots off him though. If you did want to go off, I really did consider Chubb, and I almost packed my Nick Chubb jersey, and. I, it's the coolest jersey I have. It's my only signed jersey, and I, I love to wear it out, but I, what I've learned is that it does influence me to play Nick Chubb. So <laughs> I didn't bring it because I didn't want to wear it to the Sunday final and then be like, well, oh, I can't wear this and not play Chubb and then swap to him. So I didn't want to make an irrational decision, but that's how close I am to playing Chubb. He, even though everyone will tell you that Kareem Hunt's gotten you know 60% snaps, Chubb has still had 70% snaps. They're just playing on the, on the field a lot together, and Hunt's lining up as a slot receiver, which is no skin off my back. Like, I don't understand, you know, Hunt will line up as a slot receiver and catch a pass. And everyone's like, ugh, he's killing Chubb. And it's like, how? How is that killing Chubb? Like, Chubb's still getting 25 touches every game, man. Yeah. If the slot receiver catches the ball, are you upset? Like, that's because that's basically what Hunt is playing as half the time. So I think that's an interesting spot to go contrarian. And then if you want to go really contrarian, a guy that I have below 1% owned is david montgomery i love it i had him and i didn't i didn't mention him because i was like i'm gonna get called the bears homer but there is a chance that they're ahead in this game and if they do they're gonna run the heck out of the ball against green bay yeah i mean trubisky's been playing really really well like i mean i think people aren't giving him enough credit he's in my player pool as someone i would consider at quarterback it just doesn't really correlate well with the rest of my lineup but uh with his rushing upside he could even be played naked which means as a one-off I once said that on a podcast and everyone thought it was really weird, so now I <laughs> clarify. But yeah, Montgomery is, is a nice play. The team total is obviously paltry. It's like 18 and a half, but, but that's only like three points less than you're getting with like McCaffrey. So it's not like it's so bad. And, and you can keep making that argument and talk yourself down to playing a guy on a team total with like 14. But I, I do like Montgomery with that bad Packers run D. And it, it, they've been using him a lot. His snap count has been like in the high 60% lately, which is like barely lower than a lot of the studs so i'm tags i'm glad to hear that you said you were on him too i think now we can both be wrong together yeah absolutely and he's involved in the passing game too it's not like he's like totally avoided like he's not someone that goes to the bench when they fall behind no so what jerseys did you bring justin That's what I, want to know. <laughs> I didn't bring a single one i only brought buy a julio one and wear it <laughs> no. <laughs> no you're gonna get yourself a greg ward jersey though when he goes <laughs> off right that i will have to do yeah whoever if i win whoever's my best player i have to get their jersey that's just like a absolutely you uh, okay if you win you need to buy all their jerseys let's make that deal and wear them all at <laughs> yes. once that'd be funny i'll be the guy like i'll go to like a game and on the big screen i'll like take off all my jerseys and then it'll be like a DraftKings sponsored promo that's awesome <laughs> Um, I have one other guy that I want to mention that nobody is going to play. We've got him at 0.0% owned. I will be that uh, that one person who plays Chris Thompson this week against Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah, especially if they say they're passing a lot. Like, Chris Thompson would be the back. Yeah, and why wouldn't they pass? Like, you can't run against Philadelphia. You have to pass. Uh, and the last three weeks, like, everyone's going to look at it and say, well, hold on a second. Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson have been going off. Well, duh, they've been playing run funnel defenses the last three weeks in the Lions, the Panthers, and the Packers. What the heck did you expect? This week, it's the complete opposite. They've got a pass funnel defense. Thompson in that game last week already had eight targets. There's a chance he's looking at 10 targets. We know from from his history, he can break a big one or two plays as well. Nobody's going to play Thompson. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good play for like, if you're throwing in like a Millie Maker dart throw lineup, I really like Chris Thompson. He's like 3,902 on DK. Yeah, he's really cheap there where you get the PPR too. And his best game of the season was against Philly. 
Yeah, and like by the way, so Adrian Peterson, if you look at him, like last year against Philly, uh, he they played them twice. In one game, he had four carries for no yards, and the other one, he had nine carries for ninety-eight yards and a touchdown. But the one run made that game. He it was like a ninety-yard run for a touchdown. So yeah, I I don't mind the Chris Thompson call at all. You know what? I just realized, guys, we did not do cash game for quarterbacks. <laughs> so let's start out with cash game, and then we'll go GPP. Uh, Justin, who do you like for cash games? But do you veer off quarterbacks that much, though, in cash and tournaments, though? It's more about stacking, right? Yeah, you either stack or you don't stack. Like, I, I on cash games, I do a lot of... Well, actually, this is the first week I even have to think about quarterback. On cash games, it's like, well, is Lamar Jackson on this slate? Okay, we're using him. I was going to say, I don't even ever address quarterback because I just put Lamar Jackson in and move on. But Not an option this week. Not an option. And I'm glad. I'm so glad that that I don't have to play Lamar because almost everyone here at the WFFC this week Almost everyone has played Lamar every week. Like <laughs> I know these guys, and I, you know, I've talked, and everyone just plays Lamar every single week. So he would be like eighty-five percent owned here. It'd be really frustrating. And so I'm just glad we all have to pick a different quarterback for once. The, the guy that most people seem to like is Ryan Tannehill, and I guess you could say he's the cash play. But I cannot wrap my head around that Ryan Tannehill. He's safe-ish with his legs, but like twenty-four pass attempts per game. Yeah, I I don't get it. I'm not I'm not personally playing him. I can't play him in cash. Like tournaments, okay. I could, I could see that, but yeah, I'm the number one Tannehill cheerleader on the show, and uh, I'm not playing in cash. <laughs> Kyler Murray seems appealing in cash with his price drop, at least on DraftKings. He's gone. It's just the hamstring. I can't do that either. He had two rushing yards last week. Yeah, that's true. That's that's also a concern. And I guess probably, truly, Deshaun Watson is probably the guy. Like that's that's probably the cash quarterback. If you're just like, who do I plug in without thinking about it? It has to be Deshaun. We've got him at 40% owned on uh, on FanDuel. We've got him at 70% owned for cash games on DraftKings. Yeah, so I'm assuming at this event that I'm at, my assumption is that Houston, Tennessee stacks are just going, like it's going to be, everyone's going to go Watson with either Stills or Hopkins because all the big brains will convince themselves that Stills is due for regression. And then, and I'm not making fun of them uh, for being big brain. I try to do that too, but I think with Stills, I think it's a terrible choice. I agree, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I but I like the Hopkins Watson stack. I think that's going to be really common in cash. And I think Laird is going to end up being what I call secondary chalk, which means he's not everyone's favorite play, but he's one of the most commonly owned players just because of the way that lineup construction pigeonholes you into that price point. And when I I always try to if you really want to win in GPPs, what you should try to do is build the most common lineups and figure out who are the who are the last few guys that end up getting plugged into these lineups. And that'll tell you who's going to be chalk that really doesn't deserve to be. They just happen to fit that. So that's kind of why I ended up being off of Laird, because I think if I build the lineup that I expect all these guys here to build, you end up with Laird, whether you like it or not. Tex, who do you like at quarterback? Are are you going to Sean Watson or are you going uh, away from that? I like Russell Wilson quite a bit. I'm just worried. I'm just worried about the workload, man. Well, that's the thing is I, I mean, Russell Wilson, like he was the best quarterback that he's been like the beginning, like the first half of the season. And he wasn't throwing the ball much in those games either, but he was highly efficient. And I believe he's going to be highly efficient against Carolina. Uh, it might not be the best cash play. Kyler is probably 56 is probably the best cash play just because he is, re- he's not even on the injury report. He's practiced in full this week. So I think the hamstring things in the past and uh, yeah, I, I Kyler's probably the play. I, I have Watson, Wilson and Kyler on my cash quarterback list. I don't feel great about any of them. It's just more about figuring out the rest of my lineup and then, 
what do I have left for quarterback? Like, that's kind of how I feel about quarterback this week. I'm not, like, psyched to play any of them because I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Wilson's going to smash 7K, but I do think he's relatively safe. If I'm not using Watson on FanDuel, I'm using Gardner Minshew because he's just so dang cheap and he's going up against Oakland. And, you know, we've seen Gardner Minshew play some some difficult matchups. Los Angeles, he had 14 uh, points that he scored. Uh, when the Saints were on fire, he scored six. Um, besides that, he's been great all season long and he gets Oakland. He runs the ball as well. I think he's a safe play. I'd rather go with Watson. I don't know if I'll have the money this week. Uh, over on DraftKings, for me, it's definitely Watson. If I was going away from Watson, I'd go Murray, but I'd also consider Eli Manning because he's 5,200 against Miami. That could turn into a run game where he throws for like 200 yards and one touchdown. That would kill you, your lineup. Yeah, yeah, definitely would. Okay, so let's talk GPP then. Uh, why don't you start us off, Justin? Okay, I'd just like to start by saying Eli Manning is the worst quarterback that will ever be in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> and I wouldn't play him if I had to. If it was no other, <laughs> just out of just out of spite, like I didn't play him on the showdown slate, I happily lost. I I refuse to <laughs> have him in my lineups. <laughs> I think he's so bad. <laughs> but anyway, so I think for for GPPs, I kind of like Dak Prescott. I think that the the you know there's been a lot of if I like that he's listed as questionable with his hand injuries and everyone's like oh I don't want to play a guy with a throwing hand injury but Dak's interview himself he, he said he's like look I mean everyone's every quarterback's hands get banged up every game it's just part of it and in four of the last five games he's thrown over 46 pass attempts and the Cowboys defense has been in shambles lately like and do you know what the big correlation is between all those games it's not what you think. It's Leighton Vander Esch has been out. And their defense without Leighton and Vander Esch is horrendous. And their two their next two best pass rushers um are both old. They're in like their tenth and eleventh season. I and they're both wearing down. Like I'm if I look I looked earlier at their PFF has like pass rushing grades for each player every game. So their top rated pass rusher is Leighton Vander Esch. And then their next two are uh, Quinn and Lawrence. And both of them are just like their worst games have been like these last two or three. And I don't know if it's that they're wearing down or if somehow Vanderash was helping them and now they can't get the job done without him. But whatever the case is, the Cowboys pass rush is not as effective as it was the first 10 weeks of the season. And it, their whole defense is falling apart in the back end because of it. So I would expect Dak to be having to play catch up, keep up with this Rams offense that's working so well. So that's kind of my path to a shootout is that on paper, a season long on paper, this game should go under 50. But based on what I'm seeing in the last three weeks with how strong the Rams offense looks in this new scheme and how bad the Cowboys defense looks without Vander Esch, and they might be missing Sean Lee too. And that would just be a disaster. Yeah. They're always might be missing Sean Lee. Like that guy's so injury prone. <laughs> he'll probably play. He'll play and then he'll leave in the first quarter. But I do like Dak though, because whenever they get down he finds a way to hit value for fantasy. So he, he runs the ball too into the end zone, a ton of rushing touchdowns. Yeah. He'll, he'll run it. Yeah. He said he's three this year. Hasn't had one lately, which is great because it's irrelevant. Six in each of the last three years though. Yeah. So he's due. He needs three more to hit that. So <laughs> one's coming this week, all this week for you, dude. <laughs> Lock Dak. I've just made my decision. I'm locking Dak. <laughs> <laughs> Tags. Are you going with Matt Ryan, man? Because if you're not, I'm going with Matt Ryan. Yeah, Matt Ryan is definitely someone that I would think about. Him and Baker Mayfield were the two that I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah, Baker, dude. Great call. Easy to stack him, too, considering Jarvis hasn't come up. Odell is cheap. Oh, man, that's a really good one. Yeah, I like Baker and Matt Ryan for GPP. Okay, let's go lock of the week for cash games. Justin, you get to start. I'll go next. And Tags, you can't take the same player as us. Boo. Sweet. I'm glad I'm starting because I'm going girly. 
Okay, I'm going Chris Carson. Who do you have, Tex? Damn it, Carson was mine. You taking Danny Danny Mandola? No, I mean I'll go I'll go McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh, we should let you go first. Oh man, you take McCaffrey every single week. I was gonna go Carson. Um, it's kind of like well, it's kind of like Justin with uh, Lamar Jackson, where it's like you just play him and you just forget the rest. Uh, but if I were going first, it would have been Carson because I know people don't want to hear me say McCaffrey. Yeah. Okay. So stack of the week, Justin, you're going with the Rams. Are you doing a full game stack? I am going game stack. Yeah. So I'm going to run it back. I haven't decided if, uh, with Gallup or Cooper as I wrote up in the war room, it really just comes down to the rest of my lineup. I don't have a strong preference on Gallup or Cooper. I, I almost prefer Gallup. So I don't really care where my salary ends up. And then uh, between Goff and Dak, I'm still undecided, but but kind of leaning Dak. Tags, do you have a strong opinion on Gallup or Cooper for Justin? Not really, because we don't even know who Ramsey, if he's going to shadow at all. I, th- I think it's very possible that they don't shadow. And even if he does, like Amari Cooper, as you mentioned, can eat Jalen Ramsey a lot. He can. I mean, Amari's, he might be the best route runner. In- it just depends on if his foot is healthy. People have been talking about that. Like, he's done well against the Bills and the Bears. I mean, those are two tough matchups. I right. Think. Yeah. I think the reason the lean is towards Gallup is because if Ramsey shadows, you'd have to think it's Cooper. And uh, although I've been burned making that assumption in the past, but I and, and I don't want to deal with Ramsey covering my receiver because he was actually really bad when he got to the L.A. But his last like two or three weeks, he's all of a sudden right back up to being like a top five ranked shadow corner. So I think it took him some time to figure out how to work with these safeties and pass off his man when he needs to. But and I think he was getting credited with when he would pass it off to the safety and then the safety wouldn't pick up his man the way he thought he would get credited with that bomb that got allowed. So it was killing him on the stats. But now his stats look really good the last couple of weeks. So I'm kind of thinking that he's he's not who you want covering your receiver anymore. Tags, GPP stack of the week. Who do you like? There's two of them that I've been going back and forth on. I have a cheap one and an expensive one. The expensive one is Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Hollister, and then CMC. Uh, that's like a full game stack there. And then like on, on the 49ers Atlanta game, if you want to go to that one, it would be Matt Ryan, Julio, Freeman and Kittle like they're both four-man stacks um, but I Wilson's gonna be under owned because so many people are worried people are telling me that they're thinking about benching him in season-long leagues that usually tells me like what I need to know because people are worried about the pass attempts because they're like he might throw 20 passes well I mean think about this for a second they're going to run 60 65 plays against Carolina that's what happens right and if Chris Carson even gets 30 carries they don't have another running back they're not going to hand CJ <laughs> Prosize the ball 10 times so it's like we're having 30 dropbacks with Russell Wilson he's very efficient when he throws uh, the Panthers have allowed tons of rushing touchdowns but that's why he's such a it's almost like a contrarian play which is really odd to say about Russell Wilson but you're you're kind of pivoting off and that's why I said Wilson and leave out Carson and play Wilson Lockett Hollister or you could even you could throw Carson in there, take out Hollister, but I, I, I kind of like the Wilson stack idea. I I like that, but I would also say that uh, one thing I've been writing up a lot in our war rooms lately is that uh, I feel like no one's pairing running backs with their quarterbacks anymore, and it's not it doesn't correlate as negatively as it actually correlates slightly positively because if the offense is moving the ball really well, they're both getting picking up yardage as they move down the field. And only one guy can score at a time. Like, it's funny that everyone's willing to play Lockett and, and uh, you know, and Metcalf together. But no one wants to play Lockett and Carson together. As if right. somehow, somehow Lockett is going <laughs> to throw a touchdown at Metcalf. <laughs> so it is always interesting that, that it kind of works that way. So I've, I've become a big fan of, like, the QB running back wide receiver stack instead of the two wide receivers. Wait, so it's settled now, Justin. You're going to go with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Devonta Freeman and then come back on Kittle on the other side, right? <laughs> with Raheem Mostert on the other side. There you go. Get it done. <laughs> MVP. 
My GPP stack of the week is Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson bringing back Devontae Adams on the other side. Nobody's going to do that. And uh, Trubisky has some big-time upside. Allen Robinson's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I don't care who Devontae Adams is going up against. He could go off as well. Nobody's going to do that. Guys, that's all for today's show. Justin, thank you for taking the time to come on and share with our uh, our listeners who your favorite plays are. Everyone root for them, and good luck this week, Justin. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and don't forget, you can use the code FANTASYPROS and uh, test out our site for a week for free. All right, and I want to thank the sponsors of today's show, Paul Frederick. You guys are going to love their shirts. paulfrederick.com slash fantasypros to receive $50 off any shirt. And also Pristine Auction. If you guys are buying something for a sports-minded individual, someone in your family or friend or something like that, you're going to want to check out Pristine Auction. Sign up using the registration code FANTASYPROS, all one word. It's going to get you $5 off. And, and tell them we're sending people their way. That way we can keep doing these contests like the Kenny Galladay signed full-sized Lions helmet we're giving away at fantasypros.com slash contest. Again, that's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And by the way, don't forget to take a look at our lineup optimizer that's going to save you hours of research. Go to fantasypros.com slash optimizer. Remember, you've got to be a Hall of Fame user to use our DFS tools. And if you want to become one, we've got a $10 offer for six months for our Hall of Fame package. It's a $65 value. You can check it out, fantasypros.com slash offers. All right, everyone, for Justin McMahon and Mike Daglier, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve